Welcome to Masters of Employee Development, Mike Acker's podcast devoted to training team members in any type of organization. As a best-selling author, corporate trainer, and business leader, I seek out guests each week to discuss training successes, challenges, and best practices. On this show, you will hear from incredible CEOs, HR directors, and other experienced managers responsible for leadership and development. Lean in, listen, and take part in a community dedicated to improving life through increasing leadership. Today, I have Carter Malloy on the call with me, and we're going to dive into this topic of how to develop your team and really whether you're in a big city, small town, virtual, on-site, developing your team matters. So dive in today. Hey, Carter, thank you so much for being on the program with me today. It's great to have you. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you having me. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself, your company, and tell me a little bit about what I'm seeing behind you in the in the big window there. Yeah, so I'm here in the Ozark Mountains in Northwest Arkansas, in this beautiful little town called Faithville. So a uh, small corner of the world, probably half a million people around this area, uh, home to Walmart, J.B. Hunt, Tyson. So some large corporate employers, as well as some great startups. Uh, background of myself, grew up here in Arkansas, spent a dozen or so years in equity investing, and then uh, for the last three years, I've been focused purely on, on AcreTrader. So I grew up in a farming family. Throughout my career of investing professionally, I'd also been on the side buying and selling farmland and having great outcomes, but pretty terrible transaction experiences. And I had a neighbor, I was living in San Francisco at the time and had a neighbor that wanted to invest and went online. And there's this moment of, oh my gosh, farmland is this multi-trillion dollar asset class and, and a phenomenally interesting one at that. And, and one that's produced really great investment returns for people, but there was no easy way to do it. And, and that's why most people haven't heard about it in the financial news. And so that was really the, the genesis of Acre Trader and, and why we started building. And, and uh, we've been after it now for the last three plus years and really excited where we are in our growth. Yeah, I've, I've worked with so many different people. And when I'm working with them, I see a lot of the similar ideas. And Acre Trader has some similarities, but it's brand new. I've never seen anything like Acre Trader. Are there other competitors or are you guys really kind of one of a kind? We are one of a kind. We, we have a few competitors, but, but uh, you know, they're, they tend to be much smaller. And, and from a capacity and capability standpoint, uh, you know, there's, there's no question. So we're, uh, we're, we're really excited to be in the position we're in and, and most importantly, to be leading this industry. And, we, and side note, we welcome competition. It's, it's absolutely massive. Right. So uh, what's important to us is that we help to educate the public about farmland, about farmland investing, about working with farmers and, and that we create uh, winning outcomes for those that we work with. And I know this is not our major focus here. And so I encourage people to really check it out. We're going to talk about employee development and something that you're passionate about. But it's interesting as you're talking about this, I go back to one client I had who was a dairy farmer, huge farmlands, and was buying up others because they kept on selling to him. And I mean, the amount of money that was in it was just staggering the amount that, that he was talking about the numbers. And then even years before that, I dated someone when I was 18 who her dad was owned hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres. And just very interesting to think about this whole new realm that was outside of my, my awareness and probably outside of the awareness of a lot of people. So tell us real quick where we can find your company. AcreTrader.com. So Acre is A-C-R-E, AcreTrader, 
Trading.com, uh, your trading. And uh, there's tons of information there. So we we encourage everyone to read and learn and, and explore our company and call us. We, we've got a whole team of investor education folks here that that's, they speak with investors all day, every day, and farmers all day, every day. So we, we love hearing from folks and love to visit with you. Fantastic. And you mentioned your team there and you've woven that in several times. So talk to us about one of your employees that has just had incredible success that you've been able to help develop them from maybe a starter position to now what they're doing. It is hard to pick one. And, and it seems like a coy answer. There's there's 40 of us and oh my gosh, there's 40 amazing people I come to work with every day. And, and at this point, we, we onboard one or two new folks per week. Uh, perhaps you know one of the more recent standouts is our our office manager. Uh, we'll, we'll call her Allegra. Uh, we to give you some sense as to how nuts we are about hiring. Despite being a small company, we have a full time recruiter on staff, and we we think about this intensely. So uh, the office manager position is one that we were likely or likewise uh, maybe psychotic about hiring. Right. So for some context there. 25 or so candidates were interviewed. I interviewed five or six of those and, and said no, and then met Allegra. And it was a, Hey, this is, this is a no brainer. This person is brilliant and, and amazing. And I think some people may think, why would you do that for, for an office manager, right? This is um, somebody to, to help you know manage some of the basics around the office. And, and the reality is we want brilliant people, regardless of the role they're in, because we want them to be able to grow. And my goodness, you know, inside of a few months now, she is running entire swaths of processes for our company. All of our internal wiki and documentation, all of our employee onboarding from end to end. And not this isn't just like ordering computers. This is making sure that every new employee has an amazing experience, their first day, their first week, their first month. And, and so not just doing that, but building the processes around that so that it's repeatable and scalable. So it's just, just fantastic to see her absolutely uh, kicking butt in this position and, and growing as a person, growing as a professional, taking on more and more. And, and obviously uh, the, the sky's the limit for her and, and anyone else that works here. We, we want everyone to have that opportunity for uh, career advancement and, and growth and learning. And, and perhaps that's why we're so crazy uh, about hiring and about culture as a, as a company. Yeah, I love it. I love the idea of having having your mindset, not just on having somebody stuck in a role and that you just need to fill the role, but it's about having somebody that's got limitless potential and keep on growing them. It's probably because of that mindset that you have for them that they're able to go ahead and achieve that. Yeah, we, so that's one of the wins there. What, what's the, one of the challenges that you face? What is actually, what is one of the challenges that you ongoingly face when it comes to team or potential team or future team? Yeah, I think, well, one is a tag on the last comment. We don't want to put people in roles. We don't want people here doing a role. We want them here building a company, right? And I think that's that's what's always important to maintain that, that mindset. Uh, hey, let's pause right there. Can you say that again? I love when there's just one of those sentences that just grabs a hold of people's attention so that someone's driving a car right now and they don't just miss <laughs> it. We don't want people here to do a role. We want people here to build a company. And we don't care what their role is when they come in the door. We want them to grow. We want to help them. And, and we want to be there alongside them for the entire journey. This is, this is what we do with most of our waking hours is work. Let's, let's have a damn good time doing it. And let's, let's build something together. So nice. Uh, Carter Malloy, everybody. That's a great, <laughs> la- that's, <laughs> that's a motivational talk right there. That's just the way we feel, man. That's not, uh, you know, that's, it's not 
cheesy or anything. That is, is yeah. genuinely how we run our business. Is we we view every, everyone here as a stakeholder in the company. Everyone has some ownership in the business, and we are all building together. Ah, that's great. I love the passion that you have behind that. Okay, so those are, that's the really fun part. We'll get back to some more fun stuff too because you have some really big ideas on on your team. When it comes to challenges, what are you seeing in challenges of developing teams? Is your team on site? Is your team virtual? And what challenges are present? We, we are mostly here on site. Uh, we certainly do have some some virtual teammates as well, and that's that's great. I, I, I do like the, especially when in a very fast growing company, it's great to be near each other and have that in office osmosis that that occurs. In, in terms of challenges, plenty of challenges in growing a business and in growing a, a culture. Uh, but perhaps the, the largest one is self-inflicted. And that is, we are huge believers in this concept of talent density, of, of only hiring amazing people uh, that, that truly come in and do phenomenally well at their jobs and challenge each other. And so the downside of that is you can only hire in, insanely good people. And sometimes you just don't know. So two things, two blowbacks or, or problems that creates. One is, we don't hire nearly as fast as we would like to. We would like to be bringing on way more people, way faster, uh, but we, we're hardcore committed to this talent density theme. And I'll come back to that in a moment if, if you'd like. Uh, but the other is that also means we have to fire people. And it is the worst thing I've ever done in my life. I've fired people I consider to be friends. Uh, I've let go of people that were awesome otherwise, but we had them in the wrong role. And so it was our fault for, for putting the wrong person in the wrong role. And, and so those decisions are absolutely miserable every time. Unless you're a total sociopath, uh, letting people go is is the worst, and it's something that we have to do, uh, could, you know, pretty pretty regularly within the company in order to maintain this this talent density that we have today, and the, in order to maintain the, the momentum that has has built inside of our business. So, w- when you read something like Steve Jobs, right, he had this kind of mentality of, we only want A plus players. Is there some of that that's going on there when you're when you're letting people off the team because there was a roll off that he had on his team. Are you familiar with what he was talking about there? Yeah. It's somewhat similar. Yeah. There's not a forced call, right? Like, like by no means do we like, that's the old GE model of, of call the bottom five or 10% every year. And that's obscene. Like um, the the Netflix model is called the keeper test. Uh, It's a little bit hardcore and and unnecessary. And, And ultimately you end up letting go of some really great people, some really people, people that would have been really great otherwise. Uh, so it is our job to make make it work for people. If we hired somebody, we got to give them a good chance and, and work really hard to help them grow into their role or into a different one internally. Uh, however, it still does mean we do let go of people. I will I will call a a huge point of differentiation of, of our approach versus the certainly the early days Apple approach, uh, which is we are not micromanagers. We are we are not crazy people. Uh, we yeah. you know the, the, if if you have that talent density I referred to earlier. And you can allow people to do what they want. Treat them like adults, man. We like give you examples. We, we don't have a vacation policy. We don't have an expense policy. We trust you to make the right decisions. If you don't, you'll be let go. Um, if you have questions, ask somebody sitting next to you or ask you know, for some, from someone else. But we don't expect you to ask permission. We expect you to build a business with us. I love it. I love the the trust that you're building and the the relational network. Do you see that as something that you can continue to do as the company as the company continues to drive, or is it really like, hey, when we get to sixty people, we're going to have to start making maybe some expense policies and such? No way, no way, man. We are we are very committed to this. 
and and it doesn't matter if you're person number eight to come into the business or person number eight hundred. You still want to be treated like an adult. That is, a, you know, it seems so blatantly simple. And and yeah, there are certainly we create complexities with these overly simplistic rules. Don't don't get me wrong, um, but nonetheless, treat people like adults and and also expect them to act like adults, right? And and if they don't, then then the we've solved that problem very quickly. But uh, you know what? With this expense reporting thing as a specific example, we have 40 people. Uh, we, we still do random audits, certainly, to, to look through reports. Our, our finance department does that. The number of abuses we have found to date is at zero. Wow, that's nice. This probably goes back to your culture. And you've, you speak with such passion that it's not passion that's just for everything and anything. It's about culture that you hold on to. So what cultural values are going into this mindset that you have right here? There's a lot, you know, and there, there's a lot to discuss on, on that front, but the, the big overarching themes, again, I've touched on talent density and freedom and responsibility. I think Are those specific s- values that you have those. So yes, uh, like we yes. believe in talent density. Okay. That, that is correct. Uh, we are also big believers in communication. You have to over-communicate. We all need to hear things multiple times before we actually uh, latch onto them. So whether that is the, the core principles with which we operate our company uh, or, or just basics like, hey, it's corporate strategy. Over-communication is key. Uh, an example today is we had our board meeting last week. Today, I, I sat down with the entire company, 40 people, and walked them through the entire board meeting. Wide open. Here's our financials. Here's, here's the good things. Here's the bad thing. You know, board meetings are generally to talk about challenges. So, hey, we're going to be open and talk about here's the things we've absolutely you know, been phenomenal with over the last quarter. And here's, here's the problems. And here's some potential ways to solve them. But by doing that, by being open with everyone, it's another core, core tenet. It's transparency. If you're truly open with these adults that we work with, they tend to have great ideas. They tend to have great feedback and great criticisms. And, and so that is another very core theme to what we do is, is openness and transparency and frequent communication. That also that communication also includes one-on-one meetings. So every manager is expected to sit down with every, uh, every one of the people on their team at least once a month. And that is a sit down and it's the teammates meeting. So it's the, the employees meeting. And they are to tell the manager, hey, I want you to start doing this thing. I want you to stop doing that thing. I want you to continue doing this. So this, the start-stop-continue format is one that's certainly uh, rapidly growing in popularity. We love it. Oh my yeah. God, is it uncomfortable though? You know, <laughs> like, like I've learned things about myself that I'm not sure I wanted to know. Things that are, you know, sometimes even feel insulting. But ultimately, in these in these meeting formats, it comes from a good place. We all want to. We spoke of this earlier. We want to grow. We want to grow as business people. We want to grow as humans. And so having this. Uh, opportunity to sit down with each other and, and really just get it out means that yeah. we, we eliminate the water cooler talk, right? We, there's no uh, political BS going on around the office. We absolutely do not allow speaking behind each other's back. It is something that you got something to say. It is expected and demanded that you bring that to the forefront right now and get it out of the way. So it's super uncomfortable uh, at times, but it helps us to build trust. It helps us to build a great relationship and to, uh, to move faster. Yeah, I'm loving this. And uh, partly my whole thing that I do is communication coaching. And so I'm talking about how to be direct. And then the other one is emotional intelligence. So my book on emotional intelligence just got published. And we talk about the four different ways that people talk, assertive, aggressive, passive, and passive aggressive. And most people do passive aggressive. 
Yep. Some do assert of, some do aggressive, some do passive. They don't say anything, but what you're doing is you're creating a whole culture of assertive communicators. Say what you mean and mean what you say. That's exactly right. Uh, And, and it's, it's not necessarily within all of our nature, right? Most people tend to be pretty, not at all. Most people are passive aggressive. (laughs) Yeah. most people tend to be nice, right? It's like a human condition is that we're usually pretty friendly. And, and sometimes it's hard to, to do the opposite of that. Tell someone, hey, I really didn't like the way you said this. I think it sent the wrong message. And I would suggest doing it this way instead, especially when you work for that person. You're saying that to your boss. That is, it is uncomfortable. But I, but I promise you, you know, to date, mind you, we're a three-year-old business, but to date, it has been incredible for the bond that we build with each other uh, and, and for, for our business as a whole. Has there been some negative fallout from that? Yes, uh, there. I've I've had some personally, uh, you know, where I, I leaned in too hard on folks and and say you know saying something that's just purely negative without uh, at least some sense of uh, helping them to to better on that negative point. I've done that a number of times, and I, and I've hurt some people that I, that I love, you know, as people that I really care about, I've, I've been hurtful towards them. And that was, that was not my intent, but because I did not communicate appropriately or provide the right context or uh, because I just went about it too abrasively in some cases, I've certainly created a a negative moment in in time with those folks. And uh, I've, I've been lucky that they've come back to me and said, Hey, you're a real jerk. And, and here's why. <laughs> and, and we dig into that and, you know, usually ends up uh, with me apologizing, but, but uh, I think it's really important that d- despite those moments, we, we learn, I'm able to learn from those. I need to continue learning from those, right? By no means am I uh, amazing at this meeting format, but, but we really do find that it helps all of us to, uh, to hash through the, the BS and, and get to work and get to having a good time. Which brings me to another very important part of our culture. It's on our wall, which is take your work very seriously, but do not do the same for yourself. Right. So we, we have after hours events, we crack beers sometimes uh, too early before we get off of work in the afternoon. <laughs> we laugh, you know, we, we, we crack jokes. We start out company meetings with uh, uh, funny stories often uh, to or icebreakers, things like that. So, so we really do care about having a good time, right? It's, it's not, I'm discussing these serious meeting formats and the serious feedback, but, but the reality is it's still, you know, we have to spend more time with each other than we do with our loved ones on, on most days. And, and so making sure we have a good time is, is very important too. I think that's fantastic. So someone's listening right now, HR director for maybe 250 person company. It's not something that they own. They don't directly influence this. What, from what you're just talking about right here of the meetings and such, what do you think is a takeaway that they could grab from you? They can't change the whole culture. They don't have that role. The company's not set up like that way, but, but what they can, what can they grab from what you're talking about here and put into place in their role as an HR director? Go to the CEO and challenge them that, that, you know, the, the idea of you can't change this, you can't implement this uh, is, is one that is, is too pervasive throughout corporate culture. I know, I know you know this well, Mike, but uh, absolutely, if you are an HR director, you have a lot of influence in that company. And, and the CEO is trusting you uh, to help set the cultural tone. And if you believe there are ways to improve that, then go challenge the CEO, go challenge the, the other leaders throughout the company and or work, work with your internal HR group as, as well to help come up with different policies or approaches 
to, to go about this. I'm saying this, please understand that I've never been the HR person at 250 person company, nor the CEO of a 250 person company. So I'm, I'm a little out of line in getting, giving advice other than uh, I, I would hope and expect, and I am almost certain that most CEOs would be the same, uh, that, that, that HR person would come and speak to him about it. And if your CEO is not that person and they are, they are not a great listener, uh, we are looking for an HR person. And so send us your resume. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might get someone we release this this fall <laughs> you, you know the whole idea of culture is something that now everybody knows is huge culture eats leadership for breakfast those kind of things right there right or, or culture eats vision for breakfast that saying that book i believe and so we we know that culture is important what a lot of people i don't think really understand is that culture is not just a top-down deal it's actually an employee development deal that you develop employees and the way that you develop them is a huge part of building the culture, whether you're top down, whether you're progressive, whether whatever title you want to put on it, so much goes back to this employee development. So I think this is a huge aspect to bring in your, uh, the, the density concept and really talk to us about your team density. Yeah, absolutely. So sp- spoke a little bit earlier about, I mean, and the reality is organizationally, we are very complex with multiple products and multiple initiatives and, and cross-functional teams and, and shared resources. So uh, it, is, it is that much more important in our organization as I'm sure it is in, in, in most for that matter, that you have really great people you, you work with, right? And, and so this, this theme of talent density, the, the inverse uh, would, would be uh, sometimes people will mean revert. So if you bring in a B minus player, uh, that isn't putting forth their best foot, then some of your A plus players who are otherwise awesome look over there and they go, well, hey, B minus person didn't really put much in. You know, that's that's now the that's now the bar. The bar has been set. And, and in reality, that A plus person, they, they don't, it's not what they want to do naturally. Naturally, they are competitive. They enjoy being challenged and they want to grow. And so if you if you surround them with other people similar to them that are that are great, then, then they help each other to grow. And, and so that's you know, at, at its core, that's the idea of talent density. It's just having great people that help push each other. And uh, there's negatives. It creates uh, stress. Sometimes we want to overwork ourselves. And so we have to, we have to, as a company, actively fight back against that because we have people that just want to lean in too hard and they want to, they, they like it. They want to work Saturday mornings at 2 a.m. But you know, <laughs> so we have to set rules, right? Like don't slack each other, you know, after 6 p.m. Uh, and, and, you know, put not urgent in the email title. So, so that we're not, just dragging each other through work at, at 11 o'clock at night, every night. Uh, I'm, I'm off on a tangent. Uh, all, all this. No, say I think that-, that when you talk about talent density, I mean, there's, I saw this and take it out of the business world. My son played baseball for the first time this year and T-balls should be the, something that's like low key, but I moved to the South. And so it's got wow. It's, I mean, it's intense. Right. And so he joins this team and the coach is fantastic and he's pushing and our son starts off, no joke, he's number 11. He's the bottom of the 11-player team. He's the worst kid on there. We play soccer, personally, so that was his – he's higher up on the chart in soccer team. But 11 years old, uh, sorry, 11th place. But we were playing against some other teams, and I've been practicing, we've been practicing, so I got him up to like a solid 10, <laughs> 9, 8. And we play against other teams. And when we watch other teams, I go – Oh, he's as good as everybody else on that team. And what team would you rather have him on? And that's kind of what you're talking about. Would you rather be a good player, middle of the pack, 
or the best player of a bad team? Or would you rather be pulled up? I guarantee you, if he was on one of these teams that he would have been in the middle of the pack, I would not have worked with him every single day to push him up. And he wouldn't have put the effort in to do the running and the effort in that he needed to do. So because he was in this A plus team, he became 10, 9, 8, 7, and probably wrapped up around six at the end of the uh, end of the season. And that's what you're talking about, that you don't want to be just good and, and a bad team or mediocre or a good team. You want to be called to be among the best of the best on a great team. That's correct. Movement is constant. So would you rather be dragged down or, or pulled up? And, and I think perhaps there's an old adage of if you're the smartest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. And I really, really love that, that concept of, of, you know, constantly try to surround yourself by people that are better than you and uh, try to make yourself better as, as a result. That's great. Now, this leads to some of the strengths of the team, but you also mentioned that the backside of weakness. You know, every strength has a backside of weakness. And part of that is maybe the stress, sometimes the overworking. And it looks like you're challenging those and making sure that those don't run away with the team. I love it. Let's switch on to a, a different topic for just a moment. So what are some things that you're constantly training your team on? So I see that you're training in a couple different areas not talking about the hires, the new hires, but now you've been on the team for two years. What does that person constantly need to be trained in? Everyone here needs to understand the markets that we operate in. So that that is the world of agriculture. That's the world of land. That's the world of investing. And those are all very complex topics. Uh, and, and then, oh yeah, the, by the way, like the way that our business operates, which is also pretty complex. And so we, we do... Uh, start from a place of we'd like to have every person here be able to answer the phone from any type of customer and explain our value proposition very well. So so early on, there's a focus on core fundamentals and, and learning the fundamentals of our markets and our business. Then beyond beyond those those um, early day training sessions, we also have a, an internal Wikipedia, right? So we have this, this rather large software rollout that we've completed and it's total pain in the butt to put together but where every team explains what they do and, and how they do it and what systems they use. And, hey, here's how to get access to this information you may be looking for, all the way down to descriptions of people. So each of us inside of that uh, then have a, a description of who they are. Like I, I have a page on there. Hey, here's how I work. You know, here's my negatives. I'm impatient. And here's how to work around that. Here's my Enneagram, right? Here's my actual personality test. And here are my weaknesses that... that I would like for you to help me watch out for and, and help me to, to work against. Uh, so just, you know, again, it comes back to openness and, and transparency. We've got to be able to provide everybody context of, of the operating environment where they work and then ongoing training, right? So, so we encourage people, especially that are in, in specific areas of the business where the training may not be relevant to the rest, go, go buy that educational course, go attend that class, go, go dig in and better yourself and help us to better our business. That's part of that whole expense that they could do. So if they say, man, I got to go learn how to sell better, or I got to go learn how to use Excel better or whatever, they they can go sign that up and, and figure out how to go do it for themselves and put it on the company dime. I love that. Okay, let's, let's wrap up with this whole idea of systems because you have a lot of systems. And, and systems, I mean, that takes complexity and makes it something that is manageable. So talk to us about some of the systems that you have in place and how do you roll those out so that they're not just something that, you know, every company has the systems that nobody looks at. 
And so how do you make sure your Wikipedia is not something that's just out there, but no one looks at what systems are you using for this? This is a great question. And one that I don't have the, the, the ultimate answer to. We had a long discussion internally today with our team about the natural tension between wanting to build a scalable business uh, you know, and, and uh, systems. You, you have to have systems if you want to scale yourself right. uh, with bureaucracy, right? Systems are <laughs> bureaucracy, period. And, and so how do, you, how do you resolve the tension between those, those opposing forces of nature? Uh, we clearly do not want bureaucracy, but we have to have systems in place. So uh, the, the, the push internally is everyone here Here's this thing. Here's the system we're operating inside of. Let's let's you know you you pick it. Asana, Trello, Monday, Jira, etc. Uh, uh, you know Confluence, whatever the systems may be that you're using for a particular part of your business. Uh, every like first of all, try to pick one. Right? Don't don't have uh, uh, competing systems. And oh my god, and don't switch. Correct. Don't and switch it, all the time. <laughs> and it really happens. People, you know, companies have three or four implementations of CRM. Like, my gosh, you know, run, 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 and fix that now. But but importantly is get full buy-in. Hey, everyone here, it is, it is your job and duty to use this system to its fullest right now. Not next week. Set it up now and go dig on this thing and work with your teammates inside of this thing and push it to the limits. And then if you don't like it, don't complain about it. Don't say, oh, I don't like it. Give us specifics. Hey, I want to eliminate this part. I want to delete that part. I think this part is ineffective and we could do it a better way uh, by, by chasing this, but provide specific recommendations about how we can better the system. We think, and, and again, this is like live conversation internally. We think that by continuously pushing each other, that will help us to ultimately do what we want to do, which is eliminate some systems, right? The, the, right. the fewer, the better to, to allow us to scale the business effectively. So you got the you got the software systems, you got the CRM systems. You also have the the manage the meeting cadence where employees are talking to their their boss, their manager, and, and giving them feedback. Those systems you got these hiring systems right here. Uh, one of the things that you actually mentioned earlier was a little bit on a firing system, and the hire slow, fire fast. Is that something that's codified, or is that something that's just kind of hey, this is our mentality? Or is this something that is, is part of the Wikipedia of the company? I'll, I'll discuss the codification of that in a moment because it is. But, but I also want to, you talk about firing. It's also systems and meetings we have to fire, right? Those are just as important to get rid of. So we, we talked about ways to eliminate systems earlier when, when we can. Uh, the other is meetings. So uh, we, we have company-wide town halls twice a week, uh, 20 minutes, 25 minutes to, to discuss, have team leaders discuss what's going on inside the business. So we're all on the same page. In those meetings, we often will pat people on the back for eliminating a meeting, right? So, hey, hey, last week, Andrew came to me and said he doesn't need to be in this meeting anymore, this recurring meeting, and he yanked himself out of there. Way to go, Andrew, right? Protect your calendar, fight against the meeting. And, and that's something we, we certainly encourage internally. Okay, so, uh, so, so I got I to gotta pause right there on this. I just wrapped up the first draft copy of my book, Speak in Meetings and Virtually, something like that, Speak Online and in Meetings. And we talk about if you don't know a why for a reason, you shouldn't have a reason. So what you're saying is Andrew is right there going, I don't know why I'm in this meeting, so I shouldn't be in this meeting. So I applaud that. I tell people again, if you if you don't know why you're leading a meeting, you should not be leading that meeting. But you take it further and say, if you don't know why you're showing up, we give you permission to not show up. That's correct. We, we, we encourage you to fire us, to, to get out of that meeting. 
So that's great. You, you have to manage your calendar effectively. Time is the most precious resource we, we all have. So uh, if, if you were talking to someone in a big, one of the big companies, I won't say any names because I work with a lot of them. They, they have a lot of people that if they were allowed to not do that, they would not be showing up meetings a lot and would save eight hours a week, which is if you start spreading that over the course of how much they're paid hourly. I mean, it's tens of thousands of dollars per day. Yeah. That's right. Small thing. <laughs> Anybody listening, think about what meetings you're having and maybe think about what Carter's doing and allowing people to opt out and fire the meeting for themselves. I love it. Talk to us about the, the firing people that part. Cause I think that was a, I like, I don't know if I like it, but I get it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an important way to approach staff. So the, the first thing is the mentality with which we approach that we hired this person. They took a bet on us, right? For us, it's a hiring decision for the employee. It's a career decision. And, and we have to respect that. We respect that in interview processes. We, we tell people that in interview processes, Hey, you need to know what you're getting into here. You know, ask us the tough questions because we don't want you to wake up in six months and be surprised uh, or for six days. But that also applies to how we think about if we, if we need to let go of someone, they have made a bet. Have we done our best for them? Have we really worked hard for them and make, helped tried to make that work? And, and if the answer is yes, then we can go move forward with that decision. If the answer is no, we haven't given them the appropriate uh, chance then my gosh, one, like we need to do some self-reflection and we do like write this down. What did we, how did we fail and why did we fail and how can we keep from doing that again? But then two is we owe it to the employee to tell them now. And we don't do performance improvement plans. A a PIP is what that's called in Mm -hmm. in corporate speak. And that is, Hey, you know, you're falling behind and here's some things I'd like you to work on. And, you know, here's this formal plan and we're going to work on in the next two months. Guess what? Like to let the employee they're they're already checking out in their head. And, and the manager's already checked out too. Those things fail something like 85% of the time. And, and so uh, it's a waste of the company's resources and dollars, and it's a waste of the employee's time. They could be out looking for a better job in that time period. So when the decision is made that this employee is not a fit, they are let go that day. And uh, they are given real severance, right? Why would you drag them on for a month inside of your company and let them go when you could just give them the month of that money and let them go find a new job? They're much happier you know, we we are, are happier as a company because we're able to move forward and look for a new person. Uh, so so give them great severance and treat them with respect, right? These are these are humans we're talking about here. These are not cogs in a machine, uh, and and so we we communicate internally. Hey, the person was let go, and um, here are some reasons why it didn't work out. And, and usually that is here's why we failed as a company, right? Why we put the wrong person in the wrong seat, and how we're going to avoid that in the future. Then that's the end of that conversation. And everyone here is made very clear. Do not speak ill of that person internally nor externally. Don't come ask the manager, you know, tell me some gossip. Like that's it. We're, we're done Good. speaking about that person. We owe it to that person. It's respectful uh, to, to not talk shit about people. It's just not, right. it's not okay. And, and, and that actually, when, when the employees here see that that's the way we handle letting someone go, I think they're also comforted by that, that we, we, we mean it. We, we owe people respect and we, uh, we're going to give it to them. Yeah. And you're keeping it professional versus personal. This is a performance thing. This, we're not going to dive into maybe the personality or anything like this. This is where I love it that you're taking ownership, but overall as leaders, we should be taking ownership for what's going on inside the company and not blaming what's going on for 
whatever's happening on the people that are there. We're responsible. We hired them. We're, we developed them. And if we didn't develop them well, that's on us. Yep. And if we didn't hire someone that could be developed, then yeah, that's on us. I'm, I love that you're then taking that as a learning moment. All right. So, so much has been great stuff has been said. It's been fun, Carter. I love learning from this. And after all has been said and done here, any remaining thoughts that you have for the audience today? Man, we've, we've been through a lot. I think it's really, really important. Uh, you know, perhaps the remaining thought is the hiring process, which is you're about to choose a, a mate potentially for years and years of your life, of your productive adult life. Be careful. Yeah, it's a lot of folks will say, oh, let's let's get married after the first date. That is a dangerous, dangerous game to play. Get to know people in the interview process and make sure you like them personally and they like you. You know, you've, you've got to be able to get along with these folks, regardless, like they can be absolute killers, but you still need to get along with them. That's great. Great thoughts, Carter. Well, where can we find more about you? Are you on LinkedIn? Where would you want to connect with somebody if someone wants to connect with you? You've given acretrader.com. Any other places that people would like to be able to get a hold of you? You know, I, I don't do much of the online voice thing for, for better or worse. I, I just uh, don't, I don't at all, actually. I do have a LinkedIn profile. I don't uh, really mess around on Twitter or Facebook or anywhere. But, uh, but yes, absolutely. Reach out to me on LinkedIn and uh, love, love to visit with people. Uh, that's what we do. That's great. Thanks so much, Carter. And really thank you for tuning in and checking this out about developing people. We call this masters of employee development. Our whole idea is let's master it. Let's become not just someone who does this, but let's become someone who does this well, that we as HR professionals, leaders, CEOs, trainers, whatever your role is, we have people's life in our hands that their productivity is not just the only thing, it's their quality of life. So thanks for checking in and go ahead, take a moment, like this, share this, Follow us. Make sure that you catch us next time on Masters of Employee Development. Thanks, Carter. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Mike. That was fun. Thanks for listening to Masters of Employee Development. Do you know someone who would be a great guest? Send them to mikeacker.com forward slash apply. Do you want the show notes? Go to connect.mikeacker.com. Until next time, subscribe, rate, and give a review on Amazon or iTunes or your favorite platform.